Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And with us today, we have Emily Hogenbrook, who is the team lead for memory management on ZBM. Hello. Welcome. Uh, and and we're, we understand that, that you're quite the sleuth. In, uh, in some ways, uh, we just had a, a problem that was about two years worth of work before we found the, the root cause. So uh, it was a, a great example of the Holmesian saying that once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, is the truth. Oh, wow. She came prepared. <laughs> I researched this, guys. <laughs> Um, be- before we get into this this tremendous tale, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, like what you do on a day to day and uh, a little bit about ZVM? Uh, sure. So uh, ZVM is the hypervisor for IBM Z, or I should say, one of the hypervisors. There's also a KVM out there as well. We have, uh, I think, we just turned about. 43 in the beginning of August. And uh, so we've been around for a while. Right now, probably our main guest is Linux, but we also support uh, TPF and ZOS and all the other great uh, IBM Z operating systems. Um, And so my job is to manage the team that takes care of the memory. So ZVM has a long history of pretending we have more memory than we actually do. And so we make sure that none of that gets lost and that all of that is accessible to our guests uh, when they need it, as soon as they need it. That sounds a little dangerous, like uh, pretending you have more memory than you do. Like what what if everyone needs it at the same time? Uh, Well, it actually it doesn't usually happen that way. Uh, Typically, you know, uh, I'll say it nicely. People lie about size. <laughs> Go on. Uh, you know, I I tell people I'm a, a size two, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, it it doesn't usually happen that guests are using all of their memory at you know this exact moment. Um, and and there's a lot of ability, and I think our hypervisor is very good at uh, recognizing what needs to what doesn't need to be used right away and what we can page out to uh, uh, DASD or uh, SCSI media um, and then, you know, get that back in very quickly uh, when the guest does need it. So uh, it, it, in some ways it's a little bit of a shell game, but like Hmm. I said, it's a shell game that we've been at for over 40 years at this point. So uh, we're kind of good at it. Is is that, one of the main reasons you would select using ZVM over KVM? Um, I, I mean, I think that there are probably a lot of different reasons that people go for ZVM or, or KVM, um, but definitely the ability to do memory over commitment is one of the things that I think makes ZVM unique in the hypervisor world. So the, the reason uh, I reached out to you about, you know, talking on uh, on the terminal talk here is you, you posted something really interesting on the Twitters uh, about that, you know, you were just mentioning it earlier, this this bug that's been out there for like two and a half years or something like that, and you finally tracked it down. And it sounded like a really interesting opportunity to do a ZVM bug murder mystery. 
Yes. So, and and the reason that I was so excited in talking about Twitter on it is because it turned out, this is total spoiler for the end of the episode, to not be a ZVM bug. Um, so <laughs> those are the bugs I love talking about. Yeah. <laughs> all, all developers say it wasn't my stuff. It was somebody else's. Uh, but actually the, the fix went out as an MCL, so a, a millicode fix. Um, and so it was sort of the level below the hypervisor in the stack. Um, but uh, yeah, so, no, so, it, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so we'll blame Brenton uh, instead of, instead of you guys. Right? Yeah, this sounds like it's a big Brenton problem. He's always making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the firmware team was super nice working with us. I, I have to definitely give a shout out to uh, Lisa Heller and Craig Sleagle, who uh, did a, a ton of the legwork and, you know, ultimately released the fix for this one. So let's let's talk about the uh, the problem. I'm 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 running my ZVM. I've i um, got my, all my guests. Everything's happy, and and then all of a sudden, what happens? Uh, well, a uh, customer noticed that some Linux guests crashed, um, mm -hmm. and you know, at first, I I think that they noticed this probably around January of 2018. Um, and at first they thought, oh, it was just sort of random. And I think they weren't uh, very important guests. You know, they were sort of like the HA backups of high availability backups of guests. Um, and so, the, you know, sometimes you think, well, if I haven't touched this in a while and, and I come back to it and it's dead, well, you know, maybe something went wrong that I just didn't notice. Yeah, sometimes um, I forget about plants too. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, but uh, eventually they started to notice that there was a pattern that all of these guests had recently been through live guest relocation. Uh, so this is when we uh, take a running Linux guest and move it from one ZVM system to another. Um, and so at that point, they opened up a, a ticket, uh, probably first with their Linux distro, and then it, it came to IBM. And the, the Linux team looked at it for about six months because, you know, you, you get a problem in Linux, you think it's probably a problem in Linux, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, after about six months or nine months or so, it eventually came over to our organization um, because they said, you know, we don't see any way that, that Linux is making itself crash. And so it, this live live guest relocation, is this something, are you moving from one physical box to another or how, how does that work for somebody who's like not familiar with this at all? Sure. So uh, live guest relocation is a feature of ZVM single system image. And so that's where we allow you to take up to four ZVM systems, which could be on the same box. Uh, they could be on different boxes. Uh, they could even be on boxes that are several kilometers apart and treat them kind of as one system. And so that allows you to move running Linux guests between them. It allows you to kind of apply service to all of them it, as if they're one system, update their directory and stuff like that as if they're one system. You said that we, they noticed that these were happening on systems uh, after, after this migration took place. Is the migration done automatically or does, do people have to physically do something to make it happen? Mm. So this is something that you kick off by command. Okay, so, so um, they started to notice that because I'm issuing this command, um, somewhere down the line, it's going to affect 
this system. Right. But it didn't uh, happen like right away, right? No, no. So that that was the the first of uh, many weird things about this problem is that, you know, sometimes guests would relocate, they'd be fine, go on without a problem. Sometimes guests would relocate, they'd run for hours, then they'd die. Uh, sometimes guests would relocate, run for just a couple seconds, and and then die. You know, I have to give a, a lot of props to the customer for uh, figuring out that that this was tied to to live guest relocation because that that was really helpful to us. Sounds like they did their detective work. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. You know, we've got some ZVM customers out there who probably have as much or more ZVM knowledge than I have, um, and so so uh, this was a great example of that. All right, so going off of those clues, where what, what happens next after after it gets turned over to IBM? Uh, so, like I said, the Linux team looked at it, and what they noticed is that there were zeroed pages in very important Linux libraries. So uh, we're talking like the base C libraries in the kernel. Um, you know, it should be a page worth of a regular C library with all of that good stuff in it that, that you need to use C, and all of a sudden it was just zero. Like somebody had erased the evidence. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a sound effect there? For oh, I do, yeah. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, Jim Ground recorded some amazing uh, creepy uh, organ music, uh, and we'll, I'll be dropping that in throughout the this recording. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, Linux looked at it for a while and they're like, you know, uh, these libraries, they're like read only. I mean, you, you touch something that deep in the Linux kernel, like Linux is very careful about that. So they're like, there, there's probably no way that Linux is responsible for uh, zeroing pages within its own libraries. So it, it came to us, um, and at first we thought, well, this this doesn't seem so bad. Um, I mean, it sounds pretty bad from the outset, but, but uh, we have a lot of experience, and we have seen um, off and on some issues that were kind of similar to this. So we had a, a list of initial suspects. Uh, one of them, of course, was uh, Linux gone wild, right? That that uh, some rogue <laughs> process in Linux is stomping all over the kernel. Not super likely. Um, one that the uh, Linux team was asking about was whether it was just that the live guest relocation dropped a page. Um, you know, so if you think about like a TCPIP or something where you're sending over lots of little packets, um, you know, it seems totally probable that you dropped a packet and uh, somehow didn't realize it. But that's actually not really likely with live guest relocation uh, because we actually use channel to channel connections. That works a little bit differently than like TCP IP connections. Um, and so we have a lot more guaranteed delivery and uh, it's really hard to lose kind of just like one packet on a, a CTC. So we thought, hmm, that doesn't seem too likely. Let, let, me, then, let me just back up a little bit here. Sure. When, you're, when you're talking about the packets, is this basically like everything that's in memory is getting encapsulated and, and sent over? Is that what's happening here? 
Right. So in order to do a live guest relocation, uh, what we do is we first step through all of the guest's memory and uh, we send it pretty much all over. Um, and then, this will be important later, we uh, set a bit that lets us know, okay, we've sent this page. And if the guest updates that page, uh, they, they reset that bit. And we go through memory again after we've finished the first pass and look for any changed pages, send those over, and repeat that process um, until we're sending a very small number of pages over, at which point uh, we actually stop the guest, stun him for just a, a couple seconds, and uh, close out his IO, send his final state and all his final pages over. Ah, uh, okay. So is the memory hardened then um, as it moves over? I'm, or do, do you put it like on disk or something? Is it just the, the receiving system just starts building memory based on the memory of the sending system. Yeah, the, the receiving system has what we call a skeleton guest. Mm. Good time for some organ time, music yeah. there. <laughs> and and uh, that, that guest sort of receives all of the, the memory and all of the state, but uh, doesn't... Uh, perform the final uh, switchover until uh, after that stunning step. And, and the guest doesn't know that this is happening, right? It's not like it's in any way aware of. Right. No, no uh, the, the only thing the guest sees is sort of that uh, little blip when he's stunned, um, hmm. which, you know, looks uh, just like his CPUs got temporarily stopped or something. Once the second guest gets all of its packets, you know, brought over, how do we make sure that everything is there and, and it comes back up? Um, so, like I said, one of the, the reasons we get this question a lot on SSI, why we chose to do um, channel to channel connections uh, instead of something like TCP IP. Um, and, and it's really because of the way that uh, protocol is, is done. Um, it, uh, really gives us a nice, like, guaranteed delivery. Um, you know, obviously there are things that that can go wrong, and and we have recovery code and things like that in there. Um, but uh, you you really have a a very high level of confidence that everything got over there, um, and makes our life kind of easier, so we don't have to deal with dropped packets and things like that. So, so you mentioned um, that this is channel to channel, um, but these these systems may not necessarily be um, next to each other. Um, what happens when I'm, you know, um, in between two different buildings and two different places? Do, do you have to have special connections between those systems? Um, yeah, it's my understanding that there's some kind of uh, hardware repeaters or something like that, um, that Definitely networking is not my area of expertise, but uh, it's my understanding that, that you can get it so it does stretch a, across a, a couple kilometers and things like that. But obviously, talk to your IBM representative. Hmm. Smart. And get out your wallet. <laughs> Let's run through our, our list of clues right now. We know we have a murder, and we know that the victims had recently gone through live guest relocation. Uh, and their memory had gotten zeroed out in some area. Is that is that it? Right. 
Um, and, and we also know that it's not the same area every time. Oh, oh that's a great call. Yeah. So we have uh, a bunch of uh, bodies and uh, the stab wounds are kind of all over the place. Mm. And it, this is in the this is in the kernel, right? These are uh, executables uh, within the kernel, right? Um, so, so to the Linux guest, I think he would see it as a read-only type of page. Uh, obviously, to us as EVM, um, there's nothing special that's been marked about these. So the the other thing that we really thought was a strong suspect is something called um, collaborative memory assist or collaborative memory management, CMMA or CMM2, you hear it referred to as. Sounds like uh, it this... should be a facility. <laughs> <laughs> it is a facility. Why it's is a it CMAF then? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. I don't know why they, they named it that, but I know there are definitely uh, facility bits and things like that for it. But I, this I, is... I just put an F at the end on it, so it's, yeah. it's facility to me. So we're good. Um, but this is a, a cool kind of handshaking between Linux and ZVM um, that actually involves the use of an instruction. Uh, so Linux does this instruction on pages and kind of tells us what the state of the page is. And this then helps us with our memory management. We can kind of see these tracks they're leaving and it helps us predict whether that's going to be a page that's going to get used soon or uh, whether they don't really care about the contents of that page. Um, and a page so that, is just a, it's a, a, a block of memory, right? Right. It's a 4K block of memory. Right. Um, and Does the guest know about this, the, 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 this facility or is it just, he's just running happy and you guys are smart enough to know Oh, don't do this right now because he's using it. Or um, so this is this is something that's in. Uh, there's code in the Linux kernel as well as code in ZVM as well as uh, you know actual hardware support for this instruction. Um, and so yeah, the the Linux kernel as it's going along and doing its own memory management is marking these pages um, in order to help ZVM manage it better. Mm. Got it. Um, but critically in this uh, state diagram, uh, which is very complicated for a, a CMMA, uh, there is a state called logically zero. So uh, Linux can essentially tell us, oh, this page, uh, even though it has stuff in it, uh, you can treat it as a zeroed page because uh, I'm, I'm actually done with the stuff in there. And that helps us, right? Because we don't have to page it back in. Um, when the guest wants it, we just give them a new blank page. So we're like, immediately, this problem sounds like a CMMA problem. Um, you know, somebody messed up and it got marked logically zero. We're like, we've seen a handful of times before in, in tests where this has happened. It, it's got to be that. And we were wrong. So, so you, you you brought them into the room for interrogation, and and he had an alibi. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, the customer had collected so much data that we were able to recreate the problem on our own systems uh, within a, a couple months. We had it. Um, so that we could sort of consistently recreate it. And there's a very nice setting where you can just uh, say, turn off CMMA for my whole system. Uh, we turned that off and the problem still occurred. Big, 
unhappy faces all around. Uh, <laughs> Which is ironic because there's the song Saved by Zero by <laughs> The Fix. And this was not The Fix. Fix. <laughs> Um, and so what we started then uh, was uh, sort of a, a giant matrix of test runs. Our, our tester, Jim Switzer, did this amazing job where he, you know, sort of tried every knob and switch in the system that we could possibly think of that might be involved um, and kept track of whether it failed or not. Um, and when he got a failure, we sent it over to the Linux team. Uh, so Debbie Townsend from the Linux service team took it and looked at it and would tell us, okay, this is what caused the guest to crash. And Debbie made a really important discovery here. And she said, oh, you know, it crashed because this page was zeroed. But I see a whole bunch of other zeroed pages. So, you know, it's like you only saw the one stab wound, but, uh, you know, if you took off their shirt and there were, you know, 10 more there. Yeah, that that was a, a really kind of crazy clue. But uh, it led us then to the to working with the Linux team. They actually made this really cool memory checker that went through um, the the libraries that we had seen it in most often and sort of check the pages. And that let us capture it a lot closer to the time that it happened. Hmm. And it let us see that really the last major thing that had happened to this guest was relocation. Because up to this point, we were like, well, it, if it could crash, you know, hours or days after relocation, is it is it really actually relocation or was that just sort of a, a red herring? But with this <laughs> Linux memory checker, we could see, yeah, it, it was absolutely relocation um, that caused it. So, yeah, at this point, uh, we're dealing with an awful lot of clues and a really narrowing suspect list. Um, you so know, who's, who's on your hot list right now? Who are you putting a tail on? Uh, so at, at this point, we're starting to, to think, well, you know, is it a ZVM process? You know, we have lots of different ZVM processes that, that go through and touch guest pages for various reasons, you know, cleaning up um, or getting ready to do paging or something like that. Um, so could it be that? We're starting to think maybe there could be a hardware component hmm. to it. Um, because Jim was telling us, oh, it only fails on a certain level of system. Mm. And it, the other thing he said was it only fails when we have uh, simultaneous multi-threading on. So uh. SMT2. Uh. And, you know, I, I'm in memory management now. I, I did work on the, the SMT line item a couple years ago. But, like, memory management really does not care about multi-threading. Like, that... We're like, you know, this is a crazy problem. It's really timing dependent. We're like, that, that's got to be just another weird timing thing. Right. Um, and gosh, if I could like go back to, you know, January 2019 and tell myself one thing, it would be like, don't, don't ignore the clues, right? Just, <laughs> just because that seemed crazy, 
uh, you know, don't gloss over that. And he also noticed it was only older levels of Linux. So, uh, you know, we were seeing this on like RHEL 6, but not RHEL 7. Wow. So, so, you're, so as, a, as a tester, you are increasingly narrowing the, 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 the possibilities from something happened and we have no idea to eventually a point where you can safely recreate it again and again and again. Right. Um, and the other thing that Jim is running into that, that's driving us all crazy is that he cannot make it fail on one guest. You know, he has one guest, he relocates it all these times, doesn't fail. He needs a group of at least 10 guests, and then he'll get a failure on one of them. Uh, so mm -hmm. our killer is picky. Yeah. <laughs> And only likes to show up in a crowd, you know? Right. So it's really Schwan like Agatha Christie, I think, at this point, right? <laughs> huh. Um, and uh, so at this point, uh, what we started to do, uh, Denise Krast on our, our team worked on uh, something called uh, TR Sources, which is a... a utility with ZVM that allows us to say when a certain piece of code is hit within ZVM itself, uh, so within our kind of kernel, our nucleus, um, you can do commands or display storage or whatever based on that. Um, and so Denise used this to kind of keep track of all of the pages that we were sending for live guest relocation. Um, and then we had Debbie on the Linux side tell us these are what pages ended up zero. And so we were kind of backtracking to, you know, what happened with that page during relocation? When did it get sent over um, at, that then it ended up zero? Let, let me ask a, a question here. Did um, Does the amount of system load, did that uh, play into whether a system was more or less likely to... Um, uh, wind up on the other side of a kernel panic. It, it absolutely did. Um, and so uh, for a while, we called this the Goldilocks problem, because <laughs> if we had a system that was paging really heavily, we didn't tend to see it. Uh, if we had a, a system that was absolutely completely idle, uh, we didn't tend to see it either. So uh, there was some, some like just right level of uh, uh, system usage uh, that caused us to to see this problem. Hmm. So we know we know that it it's it runs with older Linuxes. We know that it's after a relocation, and it has to have just the right amount of activity to drive the uh, to drive the error. Right. And it has to be uh, in a crowd. It right. has to be in a crowd. So uh, at this point, we actually found um, the sort of immediate killer, but not the motive. And uh, what we were able to, to tell from Denise and Debbie's work is that it was because uh, this bit that we used to keep track of whether a page was changed or not during relocation, uh, this bit had gotten zeroed before relocation. So we never ever sent the page over. Hmm. We just thought, oh, this, you know, 
this is the type of bit that ought to be on from the time the page gets instantiated. And for whatever reason, it was getting turned off before relocations ever happened. And so we never sent the page. So obviously it turned up as zero on the other side. Hmm. So, so we thought, well, okay, at least we can do a workaround based on this. Uh, you know, it'll be a little bit of a performance hit, but we can absolutely kind of send all of the the pages of the, the guests just to make sure they get over there. And we thought, you know, because it's such a, a weird, hard problem, um, maybe everything will, will be okay. But with, with that workaround, and that, that's all it is at that point, it's just a workaround, you're sending every page over. There's no ability to say this one's not important. Um, right. So, uh, we narrowed it down a little bit more than that. Um, okay. it, it involved sending every page over on the first pass, but, um, ultimately when we went back to the, the customer and, and told them about this workaround and we were so proud of it, hmm. they said, well, you know, but why did that happen? And right. we kind of said, uh, <laughs> reasons <laughs> <laughs> magic. And, and they said, you know, uh, well, are you going to release this as an APAR? And we said, well, probably not, no, because that, that's, you know, we don't want to do that performance hit to all of our other customers. Um, and we also, as we were talking internally, people said, you know, like, we know this happens before relocation, but what if it happened during relocation? And if this bit got zeroed during relocation, what would happen is we would miss an update to a page. Um, and, and that's actually a worse type of thing, because then you would see when you got over on the other side, a page would have old data in it. And that kind of uh, consistency stuff, you know, on, on SystemMZ, where we're so worried about security and um, resiliency, um, you know, like that, that is a definite no-go. Um, so we knew we had to keep digging at this one. The search continues. Uh, but, but we also knew that, that relocation was just the victim. Um, something else was turning this single bit off. And, uh, who's the real killer? Right. Um, and so at that point, it's a whole new round of testing um, and also a whole new round of tooling. Uh, so now we need to kind of check this bit for every single guest page. And keep in mind, you know, we have a pool of like 10 guests and I, I think they're all probably a couple gig at this point. So uh, that's a, kind of a lot of memory to go through and check. Yeah. So at this uh, point, you're developing new tools to try to catch uh, catch defects or help right. get, get more, get more clues. Um, so yeah, uh, Rich Korak from our, our team started writing a lot of really in-depth traps um, that looked for kind of good breakpoints and would check, um, you know, kind of the currently running guest, check a, a chunk of their memory, see if this bit was off. Um, and our tester would run with it and say, yeah, that hit it or no, that didn't. And the problem always was when he said, oh, no, that didn't hit. We didn't know if, you know, Rich's traps had changed the timing of things such that it didn't hit or, uh, you know, whether this had just been one of the unlucky runs where nobody died. 
That sounds terrible. Mm. Um, but uh, eventually we got it narrowed down um, through a lot of hard work to the fact that this happened really early in Linux initialization, mm. um, which kind of makes sense with the fact that these are uh, core libraries in the Linux kernel. Um, having something early in, in Linux initialization, that's that's when they would get written out. So uh, yeah, something happened as they were getting sort of written for the first time. What what is that? What is your what does your hunch tell you right here? What is how does that change things? So we're a little bit lost right here, but we figure because this was a specific Linux level, there must be something different that Linux is doing during initialization. Hmm. Um, and and so we are able to go then to the Linux team to uh, the late Martin Schwedevsky who gave us some information on, on different things that Linux did during initialization in uh, RHEL 6 versus RHEL 7. We're also really suspicious still of our own processes. Um, so, you know, it's, this isn't a bit that's visible at all to the Linux guest. So we're thinking, you know, we've done something internally to step on this. And we're also still thinking of hardware um, because there, there are a lot of our structures that kind of the firmware knows about um, so that we can get synergies and things like that. And so we're still thinking, uh, you know, it could be us or it could be maybe hardware, uh, but it's probably not Linux. So this is the part where you've got a whole bunch of undercover detectives lining the streets, talking into their collars or like into their, 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 their Duncan cups. And they're like, I don't have eyes on anybody yet. And they're like, I, I see, I see a guy is going for the, the paper and now he's just, he's just reading it. That's what I picture this as anyway. Yeah. I, I think that that's really accurate. So sort of summer through fall of 2019, you know, we're running and rerunning all of these traps, uh, trying to, to get it narrowed down. You're setting um, traps. <laughs> and, and, you know, trying with different parameters, uh, you know, we're looking at things like address randomization in Linux. So, uh, you know, Linux won't put the same things, uh, same libraries in the same places. So we thought maybe that's why it looks so random because Linux is actually randomizing its libraries. Um, that was a total red herring. <laughs> why why would it be randomizing where it puts stuff uh that's a security feature actually so oh. that if you have one linux guest that you could kind of dig into and see where it's uh important libraries were stored you couldn't use that exactly on another linux guest and know oh gosh if i stored into this location uh you know i'd be sure to to hit um Yes. You know, so it's throwing, it's throwing its its tail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know that was a cool thing to to learn about, uh, but ultimately uh, didn't end up making the problem any more consistent. Um, Turns out the guy was just lost trying to find an ice cream shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we were really thinking, well, you know, we're going to get this narrowed down to a really specific period of time. And we're going to find that like some weird process of our own was running or like there was some specific hardware instruction running. Um, and that's going to be the culprit. Um, and we kind of 
held on to that hope for probably too long uh, as we did more and more runs. Um, and Are by we the, getting into winter by now? Yeah. So by the end of the year, you know, I have, uh, you know, probably 20 dumps, uh, uh, ZPM uh, dumps that we, we've gone through. And, um, you know, there's just nothing really popping out other than the Linux guest has been running for a bit. Um, and, you know, comes out of Psi, uh, uh, the um, uh, interpretive execution instruction. So the Linux w was actually having time running on the hardware. He comes out, bit is messed up. Um, nothing ZVM related that we can see. But, you know, we don't really know what Linux was doing at that time. So th this is the point in the movie where you're, you're, you're sitting over stuff you've looked at hundreds and hundreds of times and it's got to be in here yes i'm drinking the coffee i i know i'm missing something did you do the always sunny in philadelphia thing where you have the cork board with the string pictures? <laughs> yeah so so we had a lot of meetings where you know i just get kind of the whole team together and you know at this point like i said we had people from the firmware people from linux involved and i'm like let's just restate what we know hmm um, you just you know, pushed everything off the desk and you just started like <laughs> the big circle and like this dead Linux. <laughs> um, and so uh, at the end of the year, uh, it's sort of nothing had panned out and I'm about to leave on Christmas vacation and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to do a Hail Mary pass here. And I sent a note to Debbie Townsend, who we we'd been working with from Linux service, uh, Heiko Karstens, who was the um, kind of head of Linux memory management, Lisa Heller. the other precincts. Yeah, uh, on the firmware side, and, and Damien Osisik from our team, and just said, you know, this is what we know. Anybody have any other ideas? Um, and everybody kind of thought about it over break, and we came back in January, and uh, uh, Heiko and, and Debbie brought in uh, Gerald, I'm going to say his name wrong, I'm really sorry, uh, Gerald Schaefer from Linux Service. And he looked at this again and he said, oh, you know, there were these specific flavors of instructions that only get used in Linux initialization and they got rid of them in RHEL 7. And, and once he said that um, and and focused us in on this kind of one instruction, uh, we were able to sort of refocus and we had our tester Jim run with a trace on for that instruction. And trace in ZVM is extraordinarily powerful, um, but there are certain instructions that you can trace and ZVM will actually simulate the instruction so it will not run on the hardware. Huh. And when... Jim ran with this on for all his guests, no failure. Because it's not running on the hardware. Right. Mm. So we're like, okay. Uh, so now we can get uh, Lisa and Craig from the firmware team involved. Um, and they started running traps. Um, and they wrote uh, a whole bunch of, of, of new traps and were able eventually to find this problem with this specific instruction and it did end up being uh, SMT related, which, mm. you know, like I said, in the beginning we had thought 
that's kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about firmware and they have to, to take the instructions and figure out actually how to run them on the, the chip, uh, that's when they found the problem. So it was, uh, I have this date like marked in stickers and <laughs> on my calendar, uh, May 21st of this year uh, was when we finally found the root cause. Wow. So welcome, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, you can you can recreate it. You kind of know it backwards and forwards. Um, is there is there a party? How, how does that happen? Um, well, unfortunately, at this point, you know, I, I would have definitely held, you know, like a pizza party or something at the office. But unfortunately, it's coronavirus time, so you know, we're all home. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, many, many happy notes are getting sent around to management and, you know, I have a meeting with the, the customer and tell them that we found it um, and they're really happy and they say something along the lines of our faith in live guest relocation is restored and, and my little heart melts. That's incredible. Oh, that's fantastic. The children uh, can play in the park again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, then uh, obviously they had to to build and test the the MCL, um, and we did what's called a, a ZVM red alert. So uh, a little bit of uh, I guess Star Trek reference there. There's a, a page where we put out uh, information about um, really important problems that sort of all ZVM customers should know about, um, and so. That red alert that went out went on our page and we said, ZVM customers, you should totally install this uh, MCL fix. And, uh, you know, it's super important for guests, especially when they're relocating. Uh, so please do this right away. And that's that's what we we're talking about on Twitter uh, when the, the idea for this came up. How often do red alerts go out? Uh, I think... I'd say we'd probably do a handful a year. Okay. So, so you've done this work and now you can look across the system and know that channels are safe for the guests. Yes. Yep. We feel confident now that uh, relocating guests are uh, not going to have a sudden heart attack <laughs> afterwards uh, and uh, breathe a sigh of relief. Now, this was specific to an older build of a specific Linux. Is this something that might have popped up elsewhere um, and just hadn't? Um, so even though uh, we only kind of saw it on RHEL 6, um, actually, even the, the level of hardware turned out to be a little bit of a red herring. That was sort of where we could recreate it. Mm -hmm. um, but the the fix went out, I think, for um, Z13, Z14, Z15, and the uh, uh, accompanying Linux 1 machines. Oh, because um, those are all the SMT2? Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, so it, it would have been the... Uh, accompanying levels of Linux. Uh, so I think like SLES 11, and I can't remember what the Ubuntu level is. Uh, we did have to go through asking uh, other operating systems how they use this instruction. Um, and uh, as it turned out, uh, you know, KVM doesn't use the instruction and doesn't support these older levels of Linux, so they didn't have to worry. Um, 
uh, ZOS and second level ZVM for various reasons uh, ended up not really being exposed to this. But yeah, we did have to to go through all, all of that and went through like fun meetings about the security rating of it and stuff like that. How does that, you, you see the bulletin goes out as, as a red alert and then um, can you walk us through or just make a little more clear about the idea of like APARs, PTFs and like what what's, how does somebody get this fix on their system? Um, so that's a little bit hard because I, I actually don't know how people apply hardware fixes. Um, so, so this didn't go out as like a VM, APAR or PTF. Um, uh, PTF is sort of the the way in which we ship VM APARs. Uh, th this went out as more of a hardware style fix. So um, th that, again, is probably something that's a really good question for someone like Lisa Heller, uh, who would know exactly how they, they get that and apply it. I, I do believe these things can be applied concurrently, so you don't have to take down your whole box. Of course. That's a... Uh... One of the benefits of running on Z hardware. Right. <laughs> oh, this, this has been an, an awesome story. Um, and we're actually running a little bit longer than usual, but this was, was really cool how, how you went through understanding where the problem was and isolating it. It was awesome. Oh, thanks. And, and yeah, I just want to give so many thanks to, to our whole team and, you know, a couple of the service guys I haven't mentioned. Bill Dovin is our level two service guy and uh, Bill Bittner is our customer advocate. And I know, him. I know he's a long time yeah. terminal talk watcher. So I'll he never. was really involved with this. Um, but yeah, it, it was a takes a village kind of problem. So we really appreciate it. And I, I believe you gave like a uh, like a masterclass presentation or there was like some sort of post-mortem breakdown, um, you know, playing back everything for the team. Yes. So a, a couple weeks ago, I gave this presentation to the team where we, we talked about it and talked about how we built some of the traps and things like that. Um, and I think my favorite question was one of our new hires asked me, Oh, you know, what are your lessons learned from this and what would you do differently? And I'm like, well, yeah, this was just a kind of a triumph of persistence. Um, <laughs> so there, there are things that are obvious in retrospect, but I don't know how many things, you know, we really could have seen and done differently as we went through, but it was just all about, you know, not giving up um, and not, not getting locked into assumptions. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that customer feedback is that's, that's tremendous right there. Cause you know, they, they basically said they, they lost confidence in using a feature that has been worked very hard on and it's core to their business. Obviously they're using it and they know that, you know, this didn't go into the cold case file. This was being worked on constantly. They can use this again. It's incredibly important. And that's, uh, Oh, it just, it just lights up my heart. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're a great customer to, to work with. And yeah, I mean, if they hadn't done all of that legwork at the beginning, I, I think it would have been nearly impossible to, to get our arms around this one. You mean they're not like my parents who just say, I got an error. What should I do? Sorry. Mike. <laughs> or, 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 you know, turn it off and turn it back on again. Gone again. Gone. Yeah. See? Why did they just do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like an IPL of the Linux guest would have, would have yeah. done it. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, apparently they weren't using it anyway. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for being on the show and walking us through this. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun learning about it, and I hope it gives people uh, some additional insight into um, what happens when things don't go exactly as planned. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, we need to book pickles as soon as possible so that the entire Hook and Brook household can be uh, top-tier subscribers. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not great on podcasts. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of biting the microphone. Uh, so we'll work. Yeah, but that's an important demographic we haven't hit yet, though. I think we should yeah. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.